Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Gospel? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to share some gospel with you. You know, I always say I'm a one-trick pony. I don't got nothing else but the gospel. Um, you can go to a lot of ministries, and you can hear a lot of stuff that's really not good news. Um, but Jesus had one message, and it was good news. It was gospel, right? Everybody say, gospel means good news. The too good to be true, good news, yet it's true. If it's not too good, to be true, it's not gospel. It's not too good to be true. It is 100% not gospel. What is good news to a blind man? What is good news to a bound man? You can be free. What is good news to a discouraged man? You can be encouraged. Good news to a lost man is that you can be, see how simple the gospel is? The gospel is so simple, it takes Christians to complicate it. And we do a dang good job at it. We got three levels of getting to the 12th heaven and can't even move a headache when we pray. Because we haven't heard the gospel. We've been taught how to perform and do shows and, you know, make Sundays grand. And man, I just got raw gospel for you. Hope you're ready. Hope you're ready. Um, Katie, I know you always, the people that run our screens are always like, which direction is he going to go? And I don't always know until I get up here sometimes. So um, I'm learning that um, I do less preparing for sermons now. Now I just minister, watch this, out of the overflow of my heart. Yeah, um, because I, my goal was really to never, ever entertain people. I want to give you something that's real, that works on your job, at church, Home Depot, playing soccer with your kids, wherever the gospel works. And I always want to give you something true. If you guys remember this, uh, last week we talked about identity a little bit. And I may, I may just kind of go back down that, that path with you a little bit. Yes, this is a cross. I know it looks horrible, but God bless and it wasn't made by Rome, it was made by me, and so that's why it looks a little rough. And if you remember last week, we had a line here, and we talked about some people are stuck. Let me make this, turn this into an O. They're living in the O-T, or you could call it the O-C, which is what? Old Testament or Old Covenant. A Jewish person really wouldn't call them that. It would just be called the Scriptures, right? Um but the reality is, because of Christ, we now can live in the new T or the new what? Covenant and Testament. Um, I'm using them as one in the same. And prior to Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, every person before him up until his time lived pre-cross. Right? Now... Every person that has been born 
since the resurrection of Jesus, this is going to offend the religious people, but it's okay. Every person that's ever been born since the resurrection of Jesus, nobody has ever been born into Adam. You hear that? Nobody since the resurrection of Jesus has been born into this man. Why? Because Jesus completely dismantled and obliterated, overturned and reversed everything that Adam unleashed on the planet. There is only one person you can be born into now because of Jesus, and that is Jesus. There are only two kind of people on the planet, those that know their sons and those that don't know their sons. This is why we don't evangelize the planet to save the planet. We evangelize the planet to tell them you've already been saved. Because what can I do better now as a Christian 2,022 years later after Jesus that he has not already done? He didn't say it is the soon to be completed work. It is the finished work of the cross. He didn't say come, there's coming a sequel later. No, he said, John 19 and 30, he said, Tetelestai, it is Finished. What is finished? The salvific work for every human being, past, present, and future, Matt, is finished, but they don't know it. So I am sent, you are sent, not as a preacher or a worship leader, but you are sent as an employee, maybe at the school to which you work or the community to which you live, as an ambassador to live this life in the kingdom and let them know what has already been accomplished for them. So a lot of people are tired in their faith because they're trying to finish what's already been finished. And if I told you, well, somebody, please come put this whiteboard together. You would come up here and you would do this for hours and you and you would be you become frustrated. And you're like, I think, oh, I mean, what do I what else do I got to do? Because how do you how do you finish a finished work? And the essence, Jesus The essence of religion, bad religion, there is a good religion. James says pure and undefiled religion is this. Taking care of widows and orphans and keeping oneself unspotted or blemished from the world. There's a pure religion. But the essence of religion is this. Trying to get us to do things. Hoping that we would be pleasing in the sight of our deity of choice. And so, you know what, if you're, if you're Muslim, you'll wash your hands five times a day and you got to turn a certain direction when you pray and you got to make sure that you got more good than you do bad. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And religion can be said, we get stuck at the last place God was, failing to see what God has done and what he's opened for us. And so Jesus said at his last supper that I am creating a new 
covenant. So there is a old one, but there is a new one. Remember the illustration that last week I told Soria, if you went to sleep in 1925 and you woke up in 2022 and I said, Soria, I want you to go around a corner and wash those clothes for me. He would walk around a corner expecting to find a what? Washboard river. I don't know. He'd come back and he would say, um, uh, Joshua, all I saw all I saw around the corner is uh, I saw two metal boxes with doors on them and, and I don't, buttons or something. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't see the washboard. And then I could present him with a washboard and I say, okay, Sawyer, here's your washboard and here is your new Whirlpool washer and dryer. Now, you can take two or three hours and wash these two loads of clothes on that washboard if you want to or longer. And then in the cold, go hang them up and watch them dry. Or you can just open up that door after you sort them, throw them in there, throw a little bit of liquid and hit a button and let it do it. And I am telling you, people have fallen in love with washboards, not knowing that we have been given the best that God has to offer. Come on. And there's nothing wrong with a washboard. Jesus actually said, a man that has tasted old wine doesn't prefer the new. Because your taste buds <laughs> and your palate have been accustomed to the old, but introduce them to the new anyway. So what has God done through Christ that we in America keep missing? I am telling you, it is finished. And there isn't anything that is not finished about the finished work. The problem is, myself included here now, everything I tell you, trust me, I've ingested it myself. The problem with the finished work is this, is it doesn't appear finished, Mike, to me sometimes. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. I said the problem with the finished work is it doesn't always appear to be finished. I'm going to read something to you just to just pop across the canvas of my mind. How many believe that Jesus finished it? How many believe that your sins have already been dealt with? Y'all, that's a major issue. We're going to hit it today. That right there is a major. We don't even, we still believe that God has to take care of sins after you do it. Do you understand that you and I have been forgiven of every sin, past, present, and future since you haven't even committed yet? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? We actually, I was actually taught that after you sin, you then have to go say, Lord, forgive me. This, no, we even taught this. This is after you've been born again. If you don't go and say the prayer after you sin, after you've been born again, then you're still going to miss heaven. We had such a fragile salvation. You could have been saved for 50 years and hit your toe on the curb and said a cuss word and said, oh, had a massive heart attack and died. Well, that brother went to hell because he didn't say the prayer after he stomped his toe and cussed. This is what we've taught in America. But the blood of Jesus reaches the past. The blood of Jesus effectively is cleansing all the present. And the blood of Jesus 
has already gone ahead of us into our future. The blood of Jesus is so powerful that before Adam ever sinned in a garden, the scripture still says, because Jesus was not an after effect or an afterthought or the reaction of God to Adam's sin. Jesus did not come to the planet because of Adam's sin. Listen to me, listen to me. The scripture says of Jesus that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. In other words, before Adam ever had a chance to spill the milk, Jesus says, I'm going to clean it up before you spill it. I'm going to take care of the damage before you make the damage. I am going to settle everything before you have a chance to get yourself in a mess so that when Adam does come and Adam does sin, because yes, he's going to do all of that. I never want you to look at me, stand before me, pray to me and say, you know what, Father, I really would love to serve you, but I can't because I sinned. And we would have had an excuse to do that, except he says, I dealt with that before you did it. This is the gospel. Listen to Hebrews 2 and 5. For he, the father, has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crown him with glory and with honor and you set him over the works of your hands and you put all things in subjection under his feet. This is talking about Jesus. You put all things in subjection under his feet. Verse eight, for in that you put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. That's Hebrews 2 and 8. Matter of fact, Katie, can you throw that up there? For in that you put everything in subjection under him. How much is in subjection to Jesus? He left nothing that is not put under him. So is there anything that's not under Jesus? But watch this. But watch what it says. But now at this present moment, it doesn't look like everything's under Jesus. I mean, is my light bill up under you? Is my car payment up under you? Lord, you know, I struggle with overeating. Is that up under you? Which, by the way, is still a sin in the New Testament. I'm just, anyway, keep right on going. We always think sex, drugs, alcohol. No, overeating's one too. Is my, is all of my phobias up under you? Is COVID-19 up under you? Is sugar diabetes up under you? Is all de- demonic stuff, witchcraft, is that up under you? Because I know you said it was, but yeah, I don't see it. Is my nasty attitude, my nasty attitude up under you? Because well, there's times I feel like God's man of power for the hour. But there's other times. You know, like in my house, if I leave the, if I leave the kitchen cabinet door open, woohoo. Like, my wife goes Old Covenant on me. Y'all don't know about Old Covenant. God would kill people in the Old Testament life for just looking at them the wrong way. Like, the Bible says, the Bible says a man lost his life in the Old Covenant for picking up a stick on the Sabbath. Anyway, if y'all want to live under that, knock yourself out. Like, I tell my son sometimes, he's acting crazy. I'm like, I'm, I feel an Old Testament anointing coming on me right now. Like, it's, it's, it's strong, right? In my right hand, strong, coming on me real strong right here, like... I ju- it just doesn't look like everything is up under him. 
Well, what do you do when it doesn't look like everything's up under him, but you know it is? The next verse tells you. You know what you do? You keep seeing Jesus. It doesn't look like everything's up under you. It doesn't look like you're Lord of all. It doesn't look like everything is finished. And he says the next verse, but we still see Jesus. I am not on the planet to try to change everything around me. I keep seeing Jesus. And as I keep seeing Jesus, then I actually see stuff around me begin to change. I keep seeing Jesus. But my attitude hadn't changed yet. No, we keep seeing Jesus. My mindset hadn't changed yet. No, I keep seeing Jesus. So the finished work is finished. Jesus was slain before Adam. So Jesus pre-existed Adam. Some of us believe that. Some of us struggle with that. Jesus existed before he existed, just like you and I existed before we existed. Listen. So before we were ever fallen in Adam, we were already found in Christ. Before we were ever lost in Adam, we were already found in Christ. Well, how can I be found before I was lost? The truth is, something can't be lost unless it was first. Now, you said that, not me. This is the gospel, right? You know what you're going to find as you journey in the gospel? As you go deeper and deeper and deeper into this man and what he's done, you and I are going to find this. I'm going to just ruin the whole thing for you. We're going to find out that everything, come on, Carl Barth, everything is already done for us. But we were still trying to find something to do as Christians. (laughs) What did Adam have to do when he woke up in the garden? How many trees did he have to create? How many animals did he have to create? How many rivers did he have to go and dig? His father had did everything for him so that when Adam stood up off the dirt and he received the life of God and became a living nephesh, became a living soul, he looked and he stood at a already finished work. And from a already finished work, then he went to work. So the life that I now live, I don't live trying to finish anything. I live from a posture of it's already finished. And you know what that is? I'm going to tell you, you know what that is? Because some of us, we're caught in the wrong age. We're living with a pre-cross mindset, not knowing that we're living in a real new age. You know what the real new age is? This is the new age. The new age started 2,022 years ago, and I'm not giving up that term. You want a real new age movement? It's 2,022 years old. This is the new age. It is the age of grace. It is the age of redemption. It is the age where the saints of God reign, not by military might, but the Bible says this, you will rule and reign through grace, through righteousness. This is the new age. The world that Jesus spoke of that would pass away was the age or the world of the law. Listen now. And it passed away. And now we have a new one. Now we have a new one. And so this world is filled with you and I always trying harder. Do you know every area of my life that I try harder at, I fail? 
They're in one self-help thing in the scripture because God knows you and I can't help ourselves. If we could have done it, we would have figured out a way. The gospel has nothing to do with you and I trying harder. The old covenant is all about trying harder. Bring more sacrifices. Try not to cuss. Try not to lose your attitude. Try, 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 try. Bring all your righteousness, but I'm going to tell you what it is at the end of the day. He said, all of your righteousness is like what? I bless you with that beautiful scripture. Right? Try harder. You know what the new, the, 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 the new covenant says? It's not about trying harder. It's about... Why do we stay tethered to the things that we have to try to do rather than just trust him when he's done? This is the trust fall of God to us. Would you fall into what I've done for you? You telling me you trust more in the fall of Adam than you would falling into this finished work? I'm watching. I'm watching this in you, Marcus, man. I'm watching the finished work. I'm watching the gospel take root in you. It's a beautiful thing. I'm watching it in Peter. I'm watching it in Cameron. I'm watching it for a few years in Jeremiah. I'm watching it in Matt. I'm just watching the gospel of grace begin to really move its way into our lives and the beauty that comes from it. This one is about trying. This one is about trusting. This one is about effort. God Almighty, man. What do you think this one's about? Hmm? Uh, yeah, you could say labor over here. Now, I want to I say something. This does not mean that we do not work and that God gives you the permission to be lazy. Understand, our dad is not lazy. Laboring from rest is different. In the Old Covenant, the scripture says this. It says this in the New Covenant about the people in the Old Covenant. Hebrews says this. It says, they fought as a nation. Israel fought to try to enter in the rest. When do you fight to get enter in the rest? Never. When you want to go to sleep, do you start fighting to go to sleep? You know what you do? You take a posture of rest. Get on the bed and, you know, if you, my wife here? No, she's gone. Okay. So I can say, okay, baby, my feet are ready. You know, like, you can come rub my feet. She loves to rub my feet. She's not here, so she won't scream back at me. But, um, you know, but you take a posture of rest. And what happens? When you take a posture of rest, rest comes. You could tell a lot about a man about his posture. Right? You know, the churches that are always trying to get a breakthrough. Come to get my blessing. T- tell me how you do that, by the way. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Labor, this is about all the time getting, and watch this, all the time doing. This was about receiving. What? And watch this, being. Because we're not human what? 
We're not human doings. We are human beings. John 1, 12, to those who believed on him, to them, he gave the power to become sons of God, not to do sons of God things, but to become a son. Would you rather do a blessing or be a blessing? No, you want to be something. So let me, let me open up my notes a little bit here. It's making sense. We're doing all right. Everybody say identity. First John, um, first Peter chapter two, verse nine. Katie, throw that up there for me. First Peter two and nine. Transformation comes out of identity. Everybody say that. Say transformation begins with identity. If you didn't know it, names are powerful, man. All throughout scripture, like names are powerful. Sometimes I read the Bible and then I look up what a name means and I'm like, now did they just make that up? Because that, when I read what Jacob means, if I knew Jacob meant that, I probably wouldn't name my son Jacob. Like what, what, you know, I just, it's, I read stuff and I'm like, okay, what did, anyway, the Bible's funded me. Names are powerful. A lot of times, specifically, uh, a lot of times in the old covenant, but also in the new, the Lord would speak to a man and he would change his name. But the change of his name was always a sign that I'm actually changing your nature. Right? See, some of us believe, you believe the lie that you are a sinner who has been saved by grace. If you are a sinner who is being saved by grace, like you were a sinner about that long of a time. But you are no longer a sinner. I don't even care if you sin. You are not a sinner because you sin. You were a sinner because of who you were in. But now we're in Christ. A man is not a sinner because he sins. I know people that don't believe in Jesus. They live a more sinless life than some Christians do. I actually know some really good sinners and some really bad sinners. There are some really moral people that would not claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's some other people that claim to have a relationship with this man, but they browse a history begs to differ. How they speak to their spouse begs to differ. How they treat their kids begs to differ. And how they view themselves begs to differ. American Christianity, but they said the prayer. So you are not a sinner saved by grace. You are now a saint of God. And Paul would say this, you were saved. You are saved. (laughs) And you are being saved. Jesus said this, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. I said, you are saved. Or you were saved. And the scripture says, we who are being saved. So you're not a sinner being saved by grace. You are a saint who was saved by grace. 
if your confession is I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm going to prophesy to you. Based off your own confession, you know what you're going to keep doing? You prophets. You're all prophets. Well, I'm still a sinner, saved by grace, just doing my best, but I ain't perfect. I sin a little, a little bit every now and again. You just gave yourself an excuse for that attitude. Come on. You know, every once in a while, every once in a while, I still look at a woman. Every once in a while, the, man, the spirit of old covenant come on me. Look, smack up. Don't say stuff like that, man. I've had some crazy conversations with guys fairly recently. I'm like, you, man, can I take you to coffee and have a talk with you? Like, please. And you know what I hear coming out of people's mouths sometimes is, uh, they, they're not saying this, but they're, they're saying to me, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. All I know is Adam. All I know is what happened to me. I, I don't, don't know if you guys know a singer by the name of Eddie James. I'll never forget watching one of his services. And he had a young man that was a part of his team that used to be a homosexual. Everybody's story is different, how, how they get in a specific lifestyles. But he was telling his story, very, very moving. A young white man with dreads and just really handsome young man. He was telling his story. And I was so moved. And he said this. He said, I went to a party when I was young and, and he said it started, he's, I'm talking like four years old and just horrible. A lot of molestation happened from guys and all this stuff. And his, you know, his parents didn't believe him and just, it started this, this snowball effect with him. And as he's talking about his journey and freedom from a homosexual lifestyle, he said this, he said, I didn't know what I liked. I only like what I knew. Listen, he said, I didn't know what I liked. I only liked what I knew. And the only thing I knew was this. And when people, to me, start telling me a little bit about their life, sometimes in my spirit I hear this, I don't know who I am. So when the lady called me last week saying, I'm even in therapy, and my therapist is telling me, you need, to, you need to find out who you are in, in Christ. And so our son says, you need to call, in this case, I think you need to call a guy named Josh Jones. And I, and I heard in my spirit, I don't know who I am. And I'm telling you, the work of Adam, listen to me, has made its way into humanity in such a deep way. But where sin does abound. Where sin does abound, grace does the much more abound. Jesus Christ is our example of what it is and means to be a human being, not Adam. If I could pick up this speaker and throw it, I would. I'm telling you something. We have looked to Adam to find out what it means to be human. No, he was a fallen man. Our example is not a preacher, it's not a church, it's not a denomination, it is not a man of the cloth, it is not me, it isn't anybody on TBN, God certainly knows that. It's not a mega church guy or a minor church guy. It's not a minor prophet or a major prophet. It's not Moses, the giver of the law, or Elijah, the prophet of prophets. It's not David, as great of a king as he was, nor is it Samson, the most anointed man probably in all of the scripture outside of Jesus. Our example of what it means to be a human being, a man made in the image of God, filled with God's spirit, is none of those guys. It is Jesus. It was Jesus. 
Jesus. It will always be Jesus. How much condemnation did Jesus ever feel from his father over his life? Zero and neither should you. What it means to be human can be found in this man. The question is, have we beheld him? Have we locked eyes with Jesus? I'm telling you, man, I I got born again and I was introduced to church, Mike. Put a Bible in my hand and said, come to church and start serving and you'll grow in the Lord. No, I grew in church and I grew in performance. I grew as an usher. And they told me to grow in faith, Cameron, but they never told me to grow in love. They never told me to grow in my identity. They told me to try harder. They never told me to trust more. They said, give more effort, give more labor, keep trying to receive. They never told me to rest. They told me to keep doing, but they never told me to focus on my being. And I became the greatest performer you would ever know. Come on, Taylor, man, I'm done. I remember I was in Atlanta, Georgia, Mike, and I was preaching at a conference. I was so excited because it was like my first three-day conference to go preach at. They didn't know, man. They, I've been invited around. I, I, listen, I've, in the last six weeks, I've had more calls. I got a call last night at like 1130 to come to, to, come to the Bronx to go preach, which I, I said, I'll take that. I'll come. I was doing this struggling with pornography. Boy, let me tell you. Lust like you wouldn't believe. Because I was in Adam. I was just a sinner saved by grace, right? And I was keeping my sinful appetites at bay because I was trying harder. You know what? I became a good sin manager. And because the gap between my sin cycles was getting further and further until I did it, I thought I'm doing pretty good because it's been two months I hadn't did this. It's been three weeks I hadn't did this. You know? Now, y'all ain't never struggled with that. I'm just talking about what I struggle with. The, the people that live in Twin Oaks struggle with this. Us South Edmond folks. I don't know how the folks in North Edmond, but the South Edmond folks struggle. He said Southside. <laughs> I was going to say, how do I do an S, but I can't do it. I was going to throw up a sign. But anyway. I got, I got an invitation to go speak at this conference in Atlanta. I was so excited, man. It was such a man. I did a horrible job. Oof, I put those people in so much bondage. I let them know you are in Adam. You need to try harder, Peter. Give God more effort. If you were doing right, you wouldn't even have those struggles. Y'all, and I preached them up under the law. It was ripe. I remember getting in my car and I'm leaving. I'm excited. It's one of the clearest times at this point in my life that I'd ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. This was a question. I'm going to tell you what came out of my mouth. I'm going to be very transparent with you right now. I'm going to tell you what came out of my mouth. We ain't ended this early in a long time. I'm in my car going home and the Holy Spirit asked me, Chris, he said, how do you think you did this week? And I said, I think I did pretty good. And let me tell you what came out of my mouth. I'm so embarrassed to tell you this. I said, they'll never forget me. And he said to me, he said, that's your issue. He said, you left these three days and they knew more about you than they did me. 
they knew more about this man than they did me. <laughs> and you enlarged Adam in them. And yet you minimized the work of Christ in them. After that day, I went three years. I never touched another microphone. Because I recognized that I was entrenched in religion. And so I'm telling you, man, that I don't know who I am. I go to churches. I got a text this morning from Devon. She's at a church in Florida with somebody. She says, I'm so grateful for the way. And I heard your story. I'm so grateful for the way. People are saying, I don't know who I am. When you received Jesus, Papa did more than just forgive you of your sins. He literally changed your nature. Peter would go on to write, it is through these exceedingly great and precious promises that we have received the divine nature of Abba. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a whole new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. All things are made new. We have to start making people's identity. Let me tell you something. When we make sin our identity, sinner, I am a sinner. You just said you're sin. When you make sin your identity, you rob the cross of its power to bring transformation to you. Sin may be an act, but it'll never be your identity. I want to say something to you. I don't care if you are an alcoholic, an adulterer, a fornicator, a rebel. I don't care if you've been through divorce. I don't, you, you pick the stuff, whatever it may be. You might have done what they said you'd done, but you are not that thing. Getting drunk does not make you an alcoholic. The only thing in the whole cosmos that can define you is the one who made you. And it is always the property of the creator to define what his creation is and how they're supposed to operate. And he says, 1 Peter 2 and 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation. Come on, stand to your feet. But you are a royal priesthood. But you are a holy nation. Jesus, man. Jesus. Jesus. See, I love this right here. I've heard this quote. The devil knows you by name, but he calls you by sin. <laughs> he knows you by your name, yet he still calls you by your sin. I'm telling you, Jesus, yes, knows where you sin and where you miss it. And he still says to me, you're still Matthew. So I'm, yes, I was addicted to pornography, but porn will never be my identity. So I've had a thousand labels put on me, but you know what Christ did? One by one, he comes and he pulls off every label until eventually there ain't nothing but bare skin there. You know what that is? He says, Isaiah 43, he says, you are mine. I read this over my kids every night. You are mine. And I've called you by name. And he says this. He says, when you pass through the rivers, he says, there, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, he says, they shall not overtake you. And when you pass through the flames, he says, they shall not kindle upon you. For I am your savior. And besides me, there is none other. God says, I know you by name. You're mine. 
today, I feel like the Lord wants to give identities back to us. I want you to know whose you are so that you can know who you are. And in Christ alone, he's my cornerstone, though we made strong in the Savior's love through. I've never heard this before. I just saw this in my heart. I just literally saw Adam standing beside Jesus, holding his hand. And he said, Lord, I don't know why they would ever compare what I did to what you did. See, that's so clear in my heart. I don't know why they would ever compare what I did to what you did. I'm telling you something, Honor and Sailor Jones will never ever have to worry about that. Hope as long as your kids come here, come on, the Shilohs and the Lincolns, we're going to teach them Jesus. We're going to give them new covenant. Right, Chris? This is for the Jacksons and the Gracelands. We're going to feed them new covenant truth so they'll never ever have to doubt, does God love me? They're never going to have the flower salvation. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me, Lord. He loves me. He loves me. I'm telling you, it's he loves me. When I did good, he loves me. When I did bad, he loves me. When I thought I was righteous, he loves me. When I feel like I'm the scum of the earth, he still loves me. Jesus. If you're in this room right now, this is for you. If you're in this room and you know in your heart that you've been labeled with something that's not true and you need to be re-identified, I want you to do something with me today. I just want you to receive this spirit of adoption, Romans 8. I want you to begin to cry out, Abba, Father, and let him re-identify you. This has absolutely nothing to do with your works. Everything to do with trusting and simply receiving, really, who you already are. I'm believing the Lord right now to remove labels and mindsets that have been ingrained in us for years as a secondary consequence of religious and bad teaching. Holy Spirit, right now in Jesus' name, begin to remove the labels. Come on, just lift up your hands if that's you. Begin to remove the labels. Begin to remove every false sense of identity. Everything that's not true of you, Lord, that's not true of us, God, remove it away from us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now for a spirit of adoption to really be born in your sons and daughters' hearts right now so that we can literally cry out, Abba, Father, right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you remove mindsets by way of your spirit. I thank you that you remove every label by way of your spirit so you can cry out, Abba, Father, now in Jesus' name. Come on, receive of the grace of God. Receive of the life of Christ. This is yours. This is yours. This is yours. I'm telling you, I sense no condemnation right now. 
I sense no shame right now. You don't ever have to run and hide again. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You are not a lost person trying to be found. You have been found, friend. He's, he swept the whole house looking for that coin. Woo. He put you on his shoulders, lost one, and toted you back to his phone and said, you'll never be lost again. I see you. Come on, Taylor, just lead us for a few moments. Whatever's on your heart here, I just want to worship the Lord for a few moments as grace flows through this building. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm going to say this. I'm absolutely done. Jesus. And he's Adam's living hope. And he's our living hope. And I present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Papa, thank you for your kindness to us, for graciously leading us in the truth, even when it's difficult. We trust you. I trust you for our families who don't know you yet. They don't know what you've done. We trust you for them, Lord. You're amazing, you're wonderful, and you're kind. And we are forever grateful for it. I'm grateful for what you're doing in this region. I'm grateful for what you're doing in this family. My heart has forever moved. But we bless women today. Thank you for your redemption and its beauty for shining through all of them. Thank you for moms and the gift they are to the planet. Thank you for your spirit and thank you for your words in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus some praise real quick. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.